0: We just have a good rhythm together, you know, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it.
2: Hello and welcome along to The Worst Idea of All Time, Season 4, Episode 1 Million, We did it. I'm Guy Montgomery. I'm joined by Tim Batt, once again via the miracle of
3: technology, but not in this physical realm. Tim, I miss you. I'm a frosty fella, and the frosty fellas miss each other all the time. That's Um, right. Hey, here's a fun fact to reveal for you at this stage. I haven't eaten anything today, and it's 3 p.m., so you're dealing with hungry Timbo. He's much feared. I would respectfully like to tell you, Tim, that this
2: is not good. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's not good for you. Obviously, it's not good for the people around you. It's not good for me as the person Mm. you'll be talking to in 45 minutes. You have, like, I don't quite know what the maths is, but it's like having watched Sex in the City 2 quite recently, I know already you're not going to be in a good spot. But having done so with your blood sugar perilously low, yeah I feel like it's it's not as simple as you know one bad thing plus one bad thing equals two bad things it's like one bad thing times yeah, another bad thing to the vet it's like it exacerbates it so what
3: you're grumpy you're downtrodden you're heartbroken you're hungry i do you know here's what's happening i am so um over this whole thing and let me let me say <laughs> I thought this right at the end of the movie. I think it's finally time to say it. This podcast truly was the worst idea of all time. I finally got to the point where it's like, yup, yup. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I had the opportunity to, like, I could have eaten something maybe right at the end, just before I got on the phone with you, but I was like, actually, I need a new dimension. And if that new dimension is a different kind of misery, I'm willing to exploit that just for some change just for wow. something a bit different so here we are scary stuff think of those terrifying. around you is all i'd say um, there's no one around me it's fine even my dog's gone away i'm around you yeah that's true you i don't mind chewing out a little bit though what have i done wrong tell me off tell me i'm naughty. You're here you are part of the problem and you are not part of the solution because the problem is watching this movie too many times the, that also
2: this is one of the rare circumstances in which I am both part of the problem and the only
3: solution the solution being we have to get to the finish line <laughs> exactly yeah you're not wrong how confusing uh, is that you cannot eliminate me because without
2: me I actually you could <laughs> what do you mean would, like murder I, yeah or I'd just love to stop and just like the only the only thing that would get me to listen to the worst idea of all time is if I just stopped showing up and contributing <laughs> and I listened to a hungry Tim Bat rail against the man and the
3: world and the ladies for the remaining w- however many episodes. Two I million, don't have I the gas. I can't, I can't. Don't leave me out here, man. I don't have what, the guess to self-generate for this episode. What would happen
2: if I hung up on you right now?
3: If you hung up, I'd... Oh, i'd be spewing but no one would ever hear it you know like it's pointless to generate that kind of anger unless you're going to point it at a microphone and hit record on a button somewhere (laughs) you fucking son of a bitch oh monty he's done it he's um he's hit the goodbye button and the call just ended but no shit i can't handle this so i'm ringing him back what a mean trick to play on someone it's not even april fools anymore but we're very close We're very close to April Fools because we are almost operating in real time now. That's the other very scary component. Did that upset you at all? Yeah, 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 definitely upset me. Uh, But you picked up instantly, so it didn't last too long. Yeah, I didn't even think to laugh
2: into the microphone. I just sat here in silence imagining how you reacted.
3: (laughs) Well, that's probably good because then we won't talk over each other. Um, Though I hope the files sync up at the end But who knows, only time will tell How was um, was your watch, Guy? Uh, I'd like to say this Tim, my watch against
2: all odds I literally cannot fathom how this has happened (laughs) I don't
3: know what was going on But it's not all bad Oh boy, tell me more, tell me more (laughs) Well, I
2: watched it on a plane again and uh, I was really dreading it, and I was really upset. And then the sort of the cosmic hilarity of it struck me. So I was, I sat down, I sort of dozed until takeoff, woke up. I saw the, the person next to me on the flight. They chose to watch um, Mary Poppins Returns or whatever. I saw them scrolling through all the new features offered by the airline. The Emily Blunt um, one, the recent reboot? Yeah, yeah. The Lin-Manuel Miranda one. I haven't seen and it. And I was like... Neither, but I was like, oh yeah, fucking fair cop to you, imagine that, you get on the plane, you haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns before, you think, oh, that's a perfect bit of light entertainment to take me across to Tasman, and uh, the woman next to her, who I believe to be the passenger's mother, yes, uh, she put on uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Oof. and I thought, I-, I watched that, it wasn't good, but like I didn't I love the- that, eh? I enjoyed Rami Malek's performance, I enjoyed certainly the, the live aid re- concert recreation at the end, mm. and I was sort of <laughs> watching all this unfold like with the dead certain information in the back of my mind that I was about to uncork my laptop in the face of these brand new entertainment options, <laughs> dust off a QuickTime media file and fucking watch Sex in the City for the 31st or whatever the fuck time. Oish. And I just started laughing, like laughing to myself, it would have looked insane.
3: But then I'm that laughing. goodwill carried through the actual watch as well. I'm laughing
2: and I'm laughing and I'm laughing. And then I take out my laptop. They've got no contact for this laughter. It's just one of those
3: terrifying people who's not doing anything on the plane, looking into the distance. That's fucked, mate. You can't put that on other people. To do that on uh, like, a bus or something would be bad enough because you're in an enclosed space with someone. But on an airplane, there's nowhere to go. The risks yeah, and are so high. then
2: imagine this topper. After yeah. that, they take out their laptop, they take out their trade table, and they just put on Sex in the City <laughs> And I start watching it and I'm like, I wonder what they think of me. Uh you should
3: have asked them. You should have done a survey in the plane.
2: I know, but I didn't. I didn't want to talk I didn't want to talk to me. I just wanted to watch the movie. And yeah. I started watching it and I was like, oh, this is f- this is familiar, this isn't good. But then the more i was watching it i don't know if it was like what brand of tiredness had overcome me or what the exact feeling was but i wasn't cross with anyone i wasn't angry with anyone i was just sitting there watching a movie almost as though i'd never watched it before almost as though it was not for this conversation almost as though i genuinely of my own free will just watched sex in the city on the way back to australia
3: Wow. Do you think you've tripped over some, like a Buddhist technique or something, and acceptance, and you've kind of gotten to some weird stage or state? I would be...
2: I mean, look, I don't want to rule out that possibility. I don't want to say, no, that's not what's happening, because that would be sensational. But, I mean, I would be blown away if whatever happened recently is repeatable.
3: Hmm.
2: But... Like I remember the scene when Carrie and Big were arguing in the um their in Big's apartment about the the their wedding where Carrie's sort of saying, you know, it's up the ante and Big's going he's sort of like so, so zero in his computer. I was like it's this is the dress. I was like, This is this is good. This oh. is if not good, at least fine. Like this argument I can see both sides. They're both acting well. I was like, this holds up.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well written.
2: Well acted. I'm in the story. I was thinking about, you know, points being made
3: by either party. I was like, what is happening to me? Do you... I mean, I don't... uh... I don't want to um, attempt to pop this bubble or probe it too much because I think any kind of positive experience you can derive from watching the movie at this point is something to be celebrated and held on to for dear life. But does this reflect some uh, maybe distracted recent watches and you return to a more focused state being in an aeroplane with nothing else to draw your attention, i.e. No, the No,
2: because if you remember my previous watch on the plane, it was turmoil it was one of the hardest things i've done in living memory this was there there was something to the level of tiredness there was some sort of resigned like if this is going to happen the least i can do to myself yeah is not is not is not like you know willfully fight against something i can't stop but just to be like well let's see what we can take away from this experience let's see what can be gleaned and nice I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, it's not the best movie I've seen, but certainly it's not the worst. Certainly amongst the best screenings of Sex in the City I've
3: had. Wow, way it's, it's you've applied the Lord's prayer to your um, experience, haven't you? It, um, yeah. Cha- what is uh change the things I I can accept the things I can't, and wisdom to know the difference. I think I think that's what it was. Fuck. Like, yeah, I'm I'm out here, man. I'm out here. Let's and I'm stay tell- in this, guy. Let's stay in this. Mate of mine, the flash. What was your shining light of this um, shining watch? What was your favorite bit? Uh, well,
2: there was a... Uh, this, this, I didn't, it wasn't an entirely ordinary watch. Still, obviously, I am watching
3: a movie for the 31st time. Yeah. But... Um, did you have any wine a- on the plane? I'm trying to reverse engineer this so I can try and do what you did to have a good time. I didn't... I, I was flying... I didn't even have any food. I just oh had a bottle
2: way. of water.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I had two bottles of water. Um, so the, my shining light was, a, it was just this very sort of tasty little morsel, this fascinating breadcrumb that has been left for two hungry adventurers, I think. When Carrie's having the baby shower for Charlotte at her apartment... Uh, she goes out, which still is crazy to me because Charlotte's got this massive multi-roomed apartment and Carrie, for yeah. how nice her place is, it is not facilitated to accommodate, say, 40 people at once, but whatever. She, so uh, true. She has a a, a door boy like a, who's taking care of a coat rack out the front of the apartment. Yeah. And uh, she says to him, how's it, how's it going? And the door boy says, uh, pretty, good, pretty good, I think. And yeah. Carrie, Carrie and then, sort of pi- pivots. Like before, he says, I think. All he, well, she hears is pretty good. The I think is such a fascinating detail to add. <laughs> because, like, what could be going wrong? He's just hanging coats on a coat rack. But there's something <laughs> gnawing at him.
3: <laughs> I, I but, always took that to mean, like, she's almost asking how the party is going. She's just kind of like, hey, what do you what do you think? How's how's everyone feeling out there? That's how I read it. I I don't think she's asking... She thinks the party's going
2: fine. I think she's not worried about that. I don't know if she's asking about his general well-being or what particulars she's driving towards. I don't know if it's just a common courtesy she's extending this young man. Because in this movie, mm. I have also discovered that Carrie does discover the notion of empathy. And also she learns quite a lot about... Um,
3: how babies are made which we can get to at a later point but yeah just hit pause for one second if if i may guy um it's funny you bring up empathy because that moment you've just described in the film with the coat boy the coat check That has always stood out to me because the next line that comes out of Carrie's mouth when he says, pretty good, I think, is she says, good, 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 good. And just fucking shuts down the exchange while she turns and walks away. Don't ask him how he is if you're not going to entertain an answer. It's so rude. Uh, It's so rude
2: every watch. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Yes, it is. But like, I'm not here to make excuses for Carrie, but she's hosting an event. You know, she's got friends are in town there's a lot there's a lot on if you're a party host it can be quite a stressful experience um but that I mean that I don't I don't disagree that it's dismissive but I just uh yeah the, the the way he said it the glint in his
3: eye I was like this guy knows something I don't know what <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he knows, Monty? Did someone spike the punch, or yeah. which is actually a very dangerous thing to do at a baby shower? <laughs> Absolutely, pretty good, I think. Uh, I, I
2: honestly, I, I, I'd sort of like to openly speculate with you because I, I couldn't put my finger on it. There
3: was just this mischief. You know what I hope it is? I hope Tell one me. of those classy broads who's there, someone we don't know, a friend of Charlotte's, has taken a shit secretly somewhere in the house. Like, not in the toilet. Taking a shit under a pillow. Taking a shit in a cupboard. Taking a shit in the top drawer of the dresser. Like, that's what I hope he knows has happened. And he thinks it's so funny that he wants to keep the information to himself. Why does he know? He's been out the front the whole
2: time. How? Not
3: the whole time. He saw it. He was was going to the bathroom. He walked in the wrong room. She didn't see him, though. But he saw her. It's shitting an, in the top. It's an open uh, plan Tim. of the bureau. Hey, not the bedroom. Shit. The bureau's in the bedroom. Uh-huh. Surely. Yeah, but the the
2: bedroom is open to the. I mean, we we see we spend so much time in this apartment. The be- bedroom opens up into the living area. Does it? I mean, I. If anything, that increases my respect for both uh, <laughs> parties because of the brazen nature of the act. I love I love
3: hearing a dresser called a bureau. Yeah, I. I love it too. The word bureau is great. Uh, There's some very I mean, good skits from... Look, um, what's his name? Chris... Uh, British guy, Brass Eye. Uh, oh, Chris Morris. Yes. Mean, this, is, this is meant to be... A, I'm trying to run a high-class
2: bureau de change, not some two-bit <laughs> peep show in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs>
3: yeah, fuck. I love good that. Shit. Um, but yes, that's what's happened, guy. A classy... Well... Socialite in New York City has taken a big old deuce in some drawers. I guess is that like a taunt? Does yeah, the fact it's that
2: Charlotte it's public it's information like, that Charlotte shat herself in Mexico and is probably like you know she carries herself with as a woman of high high esteem that that <laughs> memory probably haunts her. <laughs> I mean that, that would almost in these in these you know higher echelons of manhattan socialites qualify as a hate crime yeah that
3: that is pretty raw ah yeah that's definitely what what's up i love that who is this <laughs> vindictive friend who has managed to fly within the scope of these women for so long but is clearly a psychopath
2: we don't spend enough time with the surrounding characters to know who has the motive who wants to get Get at Charlotte via Carrie. Who specifically
3: has been wronged by these two women? I think Charlotte inadvertently stole Trey off of one of these women. And everyone assumes that the hatchet has been buried by this point. Except this woman is harboring a powerful grudge. And it's expressing itself in very fecal terms. Uh, it's intriguing.
2: I like it. It Like, yeah, I mean, this is... this. I can't imagine that the smell wouldn't eventually make itself known at the at the baby shower. Just for reference, I caught a cab uh back from the airport after my flight had landed and um I think the driver sort of uh what what's the word? Uh not underestimated mm. uh the power of their own body. And um, there was a good five minute window where the entire car uh, really honked. Of you know, there, there's no, there was nothing. What do you do? To, what did you responsi- do? I I just sat there and smiled to myself, thinking this is this is good. This is confident cab driving. That I put is a window Richard. I put a window down a little bit, but I was like, I didn't say anything. It's just like, fuck, yeah, whatever, Well, thank
3: God you did the window thing, though, because I think some people would be so paralyzed by, you know, sort of social anxiety of doing the wrong thing. I'm not going to breathe in some guy's fart out of courtesy.
2: But it was like, I just, in my mind, like, I mean, maybe he was disrespecting me, but in my mind, I felt bad for the guy because I was like, he probably thought this was just a squeaker, no odor, but he's fucking really done something awful. But you know your (laughs) diet. You know when something good and something bad's brewing. Yeah, but you've got to oh, drive
3: cabs either way, right? It doesn't matter if you've got bad yeah, stuff growing.
2: Yeah. We're really down here in the weeds mm-hmm. of uh, society as we talk about,
3: you know, twos and poos. Um, what was your shining light, Tim? A really nice lamp that's in the desk store. It's um, oh, black oh, and you red. you were up against it, weren't you? Yeah, big time. It was, I mean, I thought Carrie's hair after she gets her hair done looked very healthy i was almost gravitating towards that but no the lamp has taken it i'm pretty sure it was that scene i could be wrong on where it is but it's a black and red lamp and it is on screen for the briefest of moments in the background uh and i i liked it i enjoyed it um it's my old canterbury colors black and red um yeah and it's a lamp so literally a shining light hey
2: that's pretty neat uh, that's, where, that's when Carrie's blowing her advance, her very significant advance at the furniture store with Charlotte, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. There's a not. There's a lot to not like about that scene as well. That whole exchange and that scene stuck out to me, um, or rather, just that exchange, out with the old and with the uh, overpriced. It stuck out to me so much because I'm like. Carrie's a writer and this film was written by someone like could you punch up that line a little or something? Do you know what is even more annoying about that
2: line is that it's like stop trying to introduce the notion that money has any impact or like that money has any significance in the lives of these characters. It's like Let's leave it out eh? leave out money. They downloaded the line. It's like Whatever the idea of overpriced is to you is not
3: real. You don't live in reality. Yeah. So just don't fuck with it. That's fine. We don't have to deal with all of the issues every movie. You're clearly, they're incapable of dealing with money. So just leave it out. Don't even mention anything to do with monetary value. I'm, I'm right there with you, brother. I would also
2: uh, like to say that in that scene, you do see the seeds of potential discontent in the friendship between Charlotte and Carrie. Cause that line specifically draws a, um, a sort of begrudging laugh out of Charlotte, whereas usually she's quite a loud sort of hooter and a hollerer. Yeah. And that one, she goes, she's like,
3: huh, yeah, yeah, I understand. You followed the basic structure and rules of making a joke. Yeah, but the thing is, Monty, she has been carrying Carrie and the other gals for, like, so long at that point that it's all she can do to muster a little whimper out at the basic outline of a joke. You know, like, she's, she's out of puff. so No one's cracked a real joke in front of her for eons. She's produced the only comic moment the women see in the movie, which is her self-defecating. It's, um, it's a hell of a cross to bear, isn't it? She just has to giggle at everyone's shit lines. Oh, it's brutal You hate to see it You do I uh, I
2: Would So long as we're talking about Charlotte and Carrie's friendship I did notice something this week And tell me what you think of it Um, I will There's a I mean there's a, there's, there's some evidence Pointing to the idea of this theory That I've developed But when Charlotte confesses to Carrie That she, she's pregnant She says Carrie I'm pregnant mm-hmm. And Carrie says How That question is more literal than we've given it credit for in previous watches. Here we go. The only information Carrie's shared about her sex life is disgustingly vague, in which she says, (laughs) when big colours, he really stays inside the lines. I mean, I don't doubt that they're having some version of primal, idiotic sex, but I do not think it's sex as is understood by the masses which sort of suggests to me that maybe her learnings about sex education, I know it's called Sex in the City. We don't see any of her columns. The only sort of writing that she seems to put together at one point is she writes the word love with a full stop. She then turns the full stop into an ellipsis <laughs> and then reverts back to a full stop. When her friend calls and says, what are you doing? She says, writing. Like, that is, <laughs> that is like such a juvenile level lie where it's like, I'm, tr- I'm doing nothing. But I don't think Carrie understands the mechanics of the biology of of, of human beings. I don't think she understands how a baby is actually made. The question how isn't how has um, is this happened to you now. It is how. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so Carrie Bradshaw is a presumably multi-millionaire author who doesn't understand where <laughs> babies come from and her topic of stock and trade is sex. And her husband is a, like, I don't know, billionaire, question mark, question mark, stock market broker, who is illiterate and colorblind. It is a powerful pair.
2: Massive question marks surrounding how these two have accrued such an unholy amount of money. I mean, you can understand why they have this unbreakable bond and why they also live in fear of each other in their relationship. They're shysters from the old school. Like, their, their entire lives are built on a lack of trust. Trust of themselves, trust of others. Yeah. And, you, you know, um, it's, exci- it's exciting to sort of have these little bits of information. Fed. I mean, if anything, knowing this could lead us back to as to who might have a motive to shit in the Bureau.
3: Yeah. People have been wronged. I, um, this This feels right to me. This feels good because... It kind of adds to the New Yorkness of the story, I think. Because New York is like a city built on moxie. And what is more moxie than being a sex columnist who doesn't know where babies come from? Just by sheer force of will, you have turned yourself into a socialite and you are so painfully ignorant in the one thing (laughs) you do. All of Carrie's sex column tips are about
2: cleaning cum out of velvet curtains. Like... (laughs) Every single column is more or less about just the fundamentals of home care after another person's come over. There's no insertion. There's no penetrative sex. There's just two people doing whatever they can to figure out how to make themselves come. And then the
3: bulk of the article (laughs) is the (laughs) mop-up. So what you've described is so full on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Why do you think Carrie's the only character who we don't see in the explicit act of coitus in either movie or from the information I have, the show? It's well, a is, secret. Are you, it's are a you putting secret. Out, it's a what secret she's this- doing is too dirty to depict I'm not saying it's too dirty to depict. I'm saying this is this, these are more breadcrumbs. The boys are get the frosty Fellas are getting fed this week. The show the has created a character whose livelihood is built around writing sex columns, but we do not know the particulars of said columns. We do not the partic- know the particulars of the author's sex life. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication to figure this out, but Carrie's got no idea what's going on in there.
3: It's a strong log line, isn't it? Like, in terms of engineering a fatal flaw for your protagonist. Carrie Bradshaw is a multi millionaire sex columnist, except she doesn't know where babies come from. Mm. Well, well, guy. The only thing I have to bring to the fore, and this is um, less playful silliness and more raw information that I gleaned from my Wikipedia adventures last episode on Carrie Bradshaw's wiki, which, by the way, is extensive, especially for a fictional character. There's a lot in there, um, but it is revealed in the TV show that Carrie Bradshaw had an abortion uh, in her younger years when she was in her 20s. Wow. There's lots of... um conflicting uh, timeline things about her past between the Carrie Bradshaw Diaries which was the sort of um, prequel reboot thing where they they did her being a teenager and it broke a few of the um, a bit of the law that they'd set up in the adult Sarah Jessica Parker TV show but uh, according to the you know the film TV show Canon she has had an abortion
2: well that must have been incredibly confusing for her.
3: fucking hell monty (laughs) i don't know about you (laughs) i i'm pretty confident about me that's good stuff
2: can i tell you Um, while i did enjoy
3: the watch can i tell you a minor quibble yeah just keep talking man just stay on it you're in a good Uh, spot you're right in the pocket um so
2: oh man i got i got I've got a solve for us. I don't know if you're interested. I noticed something in this watch uh, when Carrie and Big are walking into the newly refurbished wardrobe. The bag that Carrie is carrying says Manolo Blahnik. Now, when the newspaper article on page six says Carrie Bradshaw is to be married in Manolo's, I now believe we have two possible conclusions to draw. One the original okay. and airtight theory that they were going to get married at a down-and-dirty Hispanic restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> to Was
3: it wasn't down-and-dirty. It
2: a tapas restaurant. It's fine. It's all good. Uh, I, I'm speaking by their standards. The world I the see, film. I see. The second is that Manolo, uh, and if that theory is to hold true, that Carrie has brought over a bag of takeout from their favorite restaurant to celebrate the christening of their new wardrobe. Alternatively, Manolo Blanik, when shortened to Manolos, is an expensive shoemaker, a cobbler, if you will, perhaps portrayed by Adam Sandler in an adjacent cinematic universe, and Mm -hmm. the Manolos
3: to which the article refers are in fact designer shoes. I mean, it's very easy for this to fall apart if we end up watching The Cobbler and, and find out what his shop's called, but let's never do that, and this is now Worst Idea Canon. She was going to get married in Adam Sandler's shoe shop. Do you reckon Adam Sandler would have married them? Uh, Anders, the
2: husband. <laughs> I can't do his voice. <laughs> Christ. You may now kiss the bride.
3: Uh, that was awful. All it would take but, for this to be full, complete, lovely little circle would be for Zek Zeis Fron, to turn up with the fuck boys to just party at the aftermatch. What, what are you Shop talking about, about party? He'd DJ the after party. Yeah, true, that actually. <laughs> you,
2: I mean, can you imagine this rundown wedding whereby. The food is provided by a a low-key tapas restaurant. Adam Sandler officiates the ceremony and Zicoli comes and plays the after party. No more covers, exclusively Zicoli originals. So just whatever the fuck he's recorded on his phone on the way to the gig.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he like recorded a bunch of pavement nonsense on his way to the airport, mixed it in his MacBook with the hour and a half left and battery he had on the flight over. Because he got too fucked up to actually construct a song at any point before, then freaked out, banged it on Freddie Loops. Now he's going to play that to a, a thirsty rich wedding group. I I oh it. man, it's going to the shit is going to hit the fan. That woman's going to be there who craps in the bureau. She'll be furious, <laughs> and she knows how to lash out. Yeah, you're telling me, brother. But
2: so, would you like to know my quibble or a loose observation I made? Uh, um, loose observation first. But I want to hear both. Everyone gets a bit puffed when they arrive at the wedding. When they're going up the stairs, this was a point at which I had left my seat to take a wee and I was experiencing exclusively audio. But mm-hmm. as they're all arriving at the base of the main, as at the base of like the last flight of stairs before they actually arrive at the at the ceremony, uh, all the gals are huffing and puffing.
3: Yeah. Curious? Yeah, yeah, they've gone upstairs. Good on you, guy. That's good stuff. You shouldn't be puffing if you're going upstairs. Really? Well,
2: I don't know. I've never <laughs> taken stairs in heels. Different people puff at different things, but... You know, these... There's these a char- lot of these, stairs there. They,
3: What do you mean? Are you saying you would never these puff characters, going, going
2: upstairs? I'm saying these characters are represented as being in phenomenal shape. Mm. It is... It's unlikely oh. to me that something Nate. as simple
3: as a flight of stairs would take it out of them in this way. I know that that was um, point one of two things you were going to say, but I, I I need to get this out because otherwise I'll forget it, is that this reminds me. You know how they say, um, so picture this guy. Close your eyes. we the shower, and Samantha hasn't turned up yet, and uh, I can't remember who says it to him. Carrie gets... Charlotte says to Carrie I think um, Where's Samantha She's two hours late And then Carrie says You know her She's She probably went to the gym After she landed But she clearly didn't Right Because this movie Wants us to believe That she's turned into A real intentional Heffalump By adding mm, 250 grams To her total body mass Uh, So she's probably avoiding the gym at the moment, which means we've now got two hours of Samantha time to play with, unaccounted for, between her landing and getting to the party. What the fuck do you think she's been up to? What party is it again, sorry? Uh, The baby shower. Uh, I'd never heard the line before, but they say, you know her, she will have gone to the gym. I'm I'm paraphrasing uh, slightly, but...
2: Do you know why they would write that line in? Because they don't have confidence in the storyline that they've added 250 grams of you know body weight to her frame. So yeah. they're like, well, if we bring up the fact that she usually is lean and fit, it will then make more sense that we observe that she is not. Two hours, Samantha Jones on the ground in New York City by herself, a dog in tow. I mean... To be completely honest, she probably found some guy to absolutely throw down with on the way over. That's, if we're to believe. that's
3: what I thought. That's what I thought, sex too. Sex in the Which City Law. Mm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Her emotional responses are so unique. But she has been within this relationship. We know that she loves sex. It's spelled out in the first frames of the movie. Like, as soon as we introduced the character in the movie so i guess if you get out of a five-year relationship and you want to focus on yourself and the thing that she identifies as loving the most is having sex why wouldn't you just go and pick up some young floozy at a bar take take him back to his place and absolutely destroy the guy
3: yeah totally i reckon that's what's happened which uh, I guess means she doesn't have... Uh, maybe this is... Oh, no, she hasn't done it yet. But maybe that's why she's defending Steve a bit. Because she's kind of projecting her own guilt onto the situation. She's like, is not so bad. What about... What about... She's a co-conspirator with
2: the shitting ninja. Go on. She can't show up at the same time. Because it's a tell. She has to wait for an okay from the doorboy. Before she's allowed to arrive at the party, to say. What do say, you mean?
3: The eagle has landed. The eggs are in the nest. Why does she have to Some wait for the shit to happen before she turns up? Because she is somehow connected to the event. <laughs> she can't be there when it happens because she is it'll be, somehow be- connected to the event. The event being someone shitting in a bureau. Connect some dots for me, yeah. Monty. I really, I like the tone of this, but I'm a little lost. I don't know how it works.
2: Well, all I'm saying is that if you and a friend are like, okay, we're going to go to this baby shower. These people, two people at the baby shower, have wronged us in some way that they probably don't remember, but sticks in our craw. We will never forget. If we arrive together, people will likely be able to connect dots that we are both involved in this conspiracy. However, if you arrive two hours before me, do the deed leave, on the way out, give a signal to a neutral or third party in the door person, say, the eggs are in the nest, then, you know, two hours later when I arrive to throw down and celebrate and I get bullied, you know, for whatever reason, I'll have this little card up my sleeve knowing, well, you may very well tease me for looking slightly different from how how you remember me, but there's a full-laid adult shit in the top drawer of your bureau. And you have no idea about that. And you'll ne- not be able to trace me back because of how well planned
3: this crime is. This is really cool. So now it almost seems like Samantha has set the whole thing up to preempt a bullying, which is <laughs> yeah. phenomenal. And it also seems like the coach guy is very much involved in this scheme. He's not some tertiary party. He is like integral to pulling it off. Yeah, he's... I I think he just knows a good gag when he sees one. I think he got the the, the outlines of this, you know, laid out to him. He was like, man, I am fucking in. You don't have to pay me a goddamn thing. I want to see this rich woman with a shit in the top drawer of the bureau. This is my kind of scheme. He's good at
2: hanging coats. He's bad at business.
3: Yeah, but it's important to have job satisfaction as well. So sometimes... You know, if a if a turd in a bureau lands on your lap, you run with it. You don't ask questions, you just get in there for free. Uh, they say, guys. Mind... they say they say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And if you can engineer a circumstance where as a prankster you get to be part of someone shitting in a rich person's top drawer bureau, I mean fucking you'd be laughing. <laughs> you'd be laughing to the grave. It's like not publicly, of course. No. On the inside. Yeah. What was your quibble? Because
2: you, uh, it's just Stamford It's not the character. It's just that... Uh, well, no. So previously, my, I actually... Shit, maybe I do have a problem with Stanford. I remember I got annoyed recently that he lit a cigarette in the 10 free seconds he had between being outside and helping Carrie into the car. Yes. Uh, this week, when Carrie discovers she's jilted and that they have to leave, uh, Samantha comes to the fore and says, I'll take charge here. You get her out of here. And she's carries flanked by Charlotte and Miranda on the way down the flight of stairs. Stanford we see in the background of that same frame motions as though he's gonna go and help out. He's along for the ride he's on his merry way uh but the next frame we see he never he never catches up. they just yeah. wind up like going down and the next thing we see is them all in the car together the stanford blatch nowhere to be seen i don't think he has the self-confidence to just return to the scene of the crime and be like hey i missed that car ride i'll help out here <laughs> right i think what we have is curious stanford in the big city
3: two hours to himself what's going on but he's uh, <laughs> he's but he's at the venue when they arrive yeah,
2: it's after that. So after oh. they arrive, they're all on that flight of stairs. They're on the, the clearing. And oh, then Ka- yeah, right. Carrie finds out she's getting jilted. And yeah. then Charlotte and Miranda go to assist Carrie as she like leaves and grieves. And then yeah. Stanford is in the background of frame, like moving with them towards them, as though he's also going <laughs> in that group of
3: people. I see, mate. would it? Couldn't like? Can't you imagine being in the circumstance and acting that way though? Being like, this is fucking big. <laughs> this is too big for me. You've got closer friends here. I'm going to make all the right gestures and then just quietly duck out and go to time zone, play some arcades and pinball for a bit. Yeah, but you know, chasing me out you know, two months, six months, a year,
2: two years from that memory, all the same mm-hmm. friends are going to be there reminiscing on how it unfolded. And yeah. they're going to be like, actually, Stanford, I don't remember. What did you wind up doing? Because you kind of walked down the stairs as though you were going with the others.
3: But well, it doesn't sound I like you were in any... Of- <laughs> set a local record for time crisis two. And now if you look at the high scores on there, you will see spelled out, The initials I always use for the high is, S-E-X. That's me. Big Daddy Stanford. (laughs) Hey, um, real world Stanford news. This just in. I don't know if I ever told you about this guy. And in retrospect, I should have, because this was a business opportunity. But I'm pretty sure, I I, I need to go back through my emails. There was an online service that reached out to us um, when they were in kind of their startup phase, and it's called Cameo. And what it is, is... um, You buy a greeting card, a video greeting card from a celebrity for your friend. You can wish them, like, a happy birthday or whatever. Now, this company, um, they reached out to us through me. They emailed and they were like, hey, hey, here's the service we're opening up. Would you like to, like, offer this as a thing for your fans? Did I tell you about it at the time? I might have. I can't remember. I I don't remember it. But I was like, this is the grimmest shit I've ever (laughs) heard of in my fucking life. Like, monetizing that kind of transaction just feels super gross to me. And I didn't think twice about it until a friend recently reminded me that it existed. And there are some surprisingly big names on there, but also the guy who plays Stanford from Sex and the City, for I think the princely sum of either 150 or 200 US dollars, he will record a video message that you can give to a friend to congratulate Might. them on a baby, wish them a happy birthday, whatever.
2: There are some uh, incredible stars on there. Like a, a lot of athletes still playing are actually on there, which seems crazy, but I, I guess it's an easy way to earn a bit of pocket money for these people. But yeah. one of the funniest applications of this website, and we'll finish the episode on this, is <laughs> it's it comes, it comes from a very not funny thing, but it's just a very funny application of the internet to like Uh, pointless and hilarious means so uh, recently in Australia um, there was a a powerful figure, Cardinal Powell who's been convicted of uh, awful things, one of many high up figures in the Catholic Church who has been um, (laughs) who has been
3: uh, Are you going to say caught with his pants down? No, I was not. I was
2: laughing oh. at, at, the, at the reveal as opposed to the, the notion of his misbehavior, but uh, of, se- of sort of, you know, being sexually advantageous in a disgusting and predatory way. But uh, someone uh, has gone onto the website Cameo and uh, hired uh, Flavour Flav, who <laughs> has in turn recorded a shout out for no Cardinal way. George Powell.
3: It fuck me, man. The service is just sitting there for trial one. It's just it. sitting there.
2: He says, "This message goes out to George Powell. I just got to say, happy retirement, my man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for real. Not Fucking only that, you hell. know what? I know you ran the boys' choir, man. You know what I'm saying? All the boys on the choir respected you. You know what I'm saying? They collected you, my man. And This guy who's, like, uh, adjacent to the comedy world who goes only by the name of Tristan paid $150 for the shout-out. Flavor Flav's people start going ballistic at Flavor Flav being like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You've, You've shouted out a pedophile. And Flavor Flav has to release a statement being like, Tristan, you're a fucking rat.
3: Holy shit. Gilbert Godfrey's on there, man oh, oh. so I'll tell funny. you the reason why I stumbled across it because um, it would be great promo for a comedy show, and that's got so, so I looked through the terms and conditions and it says so explicitly that you can't use it for any commercial commercial or promotional purposes, which reads to me as you need to like figure out a way to trick these silly good enough so they don't know that they're promoting a comedy show. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, oh,
2: it's it's honestly it's it's ripe, it's a, a ripe fruit there for the picking. So any clever really, listeners who want to have some, there. it can't last, can it, guy? Kimio <laughs> can't
3: not. fucking last because there's too many people with. I mean, I want to do ill well with this service, and, and and I'm just some dude. I'm a normal guy. There are far more nefarious minds on my, uh, uh online than mine. Oh boy. Anyway um that's cameo thanks for sponsoring this episode um, absolutely exploit the fuck out of it everyone i really want to <laughs> see this thing blow up Ah, oh, this there's, there's big names there's big names on there some huge names um guy we're live over- now so shout out your show you're in melbourne right now i'm in melbourne doing my show
2: i was part of the problem before we were talking about it uh please Google my name and Melbourne, uh, or if you're not in Melbourne and you are in Sydney, Auckland, or Wellington, you can do the same thing. Google my name and the city, and uh, my tickets website should show up. And you can buy tickets to watch the show. It's funny. I'm good at comedy. I'd love for you to be there.
3: Uh, We will be taking the worst idea of all time to Melbourne live on the 14th of this month which is April um, it's already sold out I'll see if we can add any more capacity so we could do maybe some tickets on the door but um, there's other really good shows from Little Empire doing shows that same day Bonus of the Heart still got some tickets available and um, The Mail Gaze as well so if you go to littleempirepodcasts.com slash live if you're in Melbourne get some tickies to that there's a whole lot of shows on there as well through Australia and New Zealand from our wonderful hosts so check it out mother truckers. We will see you in the next episode of this nightmare project the worst idea of all time. This is the frosty fellas signing the fuck off.
0: We just have a good rhythm together you know he sort of feels me out I feel him out and uh, we go for it.